Welcome everybody to Evolved Athletics Radio, and this is episode 12. All right, now that the project update is out of the way, let's jump right into the topic today. Uh, Do you need a fitness coach? So this is kind of a fun topic for me because I've done coaching for so long that you get used to selling your services, and typically one of the first questions that that a potential client will want to ask is why do I need your help? And it's always kind of funny because you get caught into, again, selling your services and trying to explain, well, you know, I'm going to help you with an individualized workout program. I'm going to help with motivation. Uh, Hopefully, you know, teach you some uh, better form, you know, exercise form, might I might be able to teach you some new exercises or something like that. But here's the thing. Information is kind of at your fingertips. So if you know where to look, you can find out all of that information. In a fitness coach, I'm, I'm going to go with that, that term for right now. A fitness coach ultimately lends itself to two things. The first one is motivation and the second one's accountability. Everything outside of that, general fitness coaching, you know, like the workout programs and, you know, the the more technical stuff, I guess, you know, the exercise form, you can find all of that stuff for free online. And really, if you just invest a few hours here and there or a few minutes here and there, you can find all that stuff out. So there, to hire a, a coach specifically for that in my opinion, now, mind you, this is coming from a, a coach and coming from a personal trainer. I, I really do think that people waste their money on that kind of stuff. Now, I want to add a caveat to that and say, if you have special circumstances and you don't know how to get around them, say uh, particular medical issues, then I think hiring a personal trainer to help you navigate or a coach to navigate around some of those conditions I think is helpful as long as your physician's on board with that, which for some people might not sound important, but you do want to let your physician know that you are working with a health professional to help you navigate some of some of the intricacies of your condition, if that's the case. So again, in in its entirety, I don't believe that everybody needs a fitness coach. I just, I don't buy it. However, there's another side to this, and I, I think ultimately it's for those individuals that are looking to shortcut the learning curve and dive right in and make the most progress in the shortest amount of time possible, then I think a good fitness coach or personal trainer can definitely help in that particular scenario. But again, not everybody's at that level will, where they want a personal trainer or coach uh, to help them in that kind of fashion because in those scenarios, typically what's happening is those personal trainers or traditionally personal trainers or coaches move really quick and they expect 100% adherence to the program that they're feeding their client. So again, in the past, what's happened is, say client comes to me and says, I want to hire you for two months. This is the expectation. 
I deem it's reasonable. I develop a plan. I give it to them. Now, in order for that person to reach their goal in those eight weeks, they have to be, you know, 100% dedicated to reach that goal. Now, some of us that have been in the field for quite a while and have been doing personal training and coaching for, uh, you know, a period of time now, we understand that that kind of coaching just doesn't work. There, in the last decade that I've been coaching, there have been very few people that have been 100% compliant. And honestly, those individuals that have been 100% compliant probably didn't need my help to begin with. They could have saved some cash and done it on their own. But for whatever reason, they needed me there to, and I'm using coach in uh, you know, quote, air quotes right now because I, I didn't really do a ton of coaching. I helped them refine a program that they came to me with that fit more of their uh, training style and recovery pattern and, and things like that. I did very little for those individuals that were 100% compliant. So for everybody else that I've coached and from what I've heard other coaches uh, experience, you're not going to get 100% compliancy. It just it's just the name of the game. It's I don't want to say it's human nature, but that it feels it, it, that's what it feels like. Okay, so do you need a fitness coach? If you're looking for somebody to to keep you accountable and to help you shortcut the learning curve that you're gonna have to go through to achieve the goals that you're looking to achieve, then yeah, I think it's behoo of you to hire a fitness coach. But here's where I'm going to give you some advice that I think would be really important that you follow when you're looking for a coach or a personal trainer. First first and foremost, I would say make sure that they have some kind of national or reputable certification. Um, Mine is American College of Sports Medicine, so that's going to be the one that I'm partial to. I'm always going to recommend ACSM over anybody else. They tend to do more research than any other organization from a medical perspective, and I use medical loosely because they do a lot of research outside of the uh, medicine-related field. NSCA is going to be another one. Uh, National Strength and Conditioning Association. Again, that's going to be the second one that I tend to recommend. And then there's a few other ones like ACE. Uh, IDEA, I think, has a certification. YMCA, I mean, a lot of personal trainers that I've met over the years uh, have been certified through the YMCA. That's fine. Uh, They're pretty... um, you know, nationally recognized. I mean, YMCA has been around for a long time. As a matter of fact, YMCA used to have a hand in some of the initial research, exercise research, um, and you'll see some of their uh, assessments, for instance, show up in ACSM text, textbooks, which is kind of neat. So those would be, and th- that's just a handful of the organizations that I'm, you know, thinking of off the top of my head. The next thing, so certifications is the first thing. The second thing that I would strongly urge anybody looking for a personal trainer or a coach is liability insurance. So if you're meeting with somebody, specifically if you're meeting in person, when you're doing online coaching, you tend to waive a lot of liability 
because somebody's not there with you, and again, I'm using air quotes here, holding your hand throughout the whole process. So you kind of waive some of that liability when you're working with somebody online. It's one of a many, many, many reasons why a lot of coaches go to online aside from being able to handle more clients they lessen their risk of liability by going online. But I, I get away from the, the, the initial suggestion. If you're meeting with somebody in person, I strongly urge you make sure that they have liability insurance that's up to date. So some people will purchase liability insurance, let it lapse, but they keep the paperwork. So when somebody asks, you know, yeah, I have insurance, here it is, you know, Pay really close attention to the dates that are on the paperwork and make sure that it's up to date and that it's active. The other thing that I would ask is what are their policies and procedures? So, for instance, uh, do they have their policies documented? So are they available somewhere? Are they printed out? Are they online where you can review them? So I would look at things like services, costs, uh, cancellation policies, length of contract, what's the emergency procedures. So this is one thing that tends to be overlooked just all the time. And I'm surprised, you know, in the event that you're hurt while you're working with a personal trainer or a coach, what is the emergency procedure? What what do they do in the event that you get hurt? And I would make sure that they have some kind of procedure in place because normally, again, this is my experience and <laughs> I've got a lot of friends that are, you know, personal trainers and strength coach coaches and it's, it's fascinating how many people do not have a written or just any kind of emergency procedure at hand. So if you're diabetic or you're prone to seizures or you've you have some type of medical condition, sure that personal trainer or coach is going to have your medical history or your, you know, health risk assessment or you know their background so they're going to know that you have this particular ailment. But when the time comes, are they going to know what to do if say for instance you you had a diabetic seizure, you know, if you're diabetic? If you had a diabetic seizure, would they know how to handle that situation? So that's one of those things that it doesn't seem like it'd be at the forefront of a lot of people's minds, but it should be because you're putting your health, not just your fitness, but your overall health in this person's hands. So you want to make sure that they know how to handle those particular scenarios. That's really, really important. Now, the last thing is kind of common sense, but again, I think it's something that should be said out loud is at some point, you're going to have to ask yourself, is this trainer or is this coach right for you? And I'll give you an example. So when somebody hires me or is uh, prospecting me, I make it really clear that my communication skills are pretty unconventional in the sense that I don't always hold back my profanity. Now, I understand that at times that's unprofessional and that puts some people off. That's fine. If that puts you off, I'm not the right trainer or coach for you. I think there's plenty enough coaches and trainers out there that I think that that particular person is going to be able to find somebody that fits for them. 
However, I do use profanity periodically and I use it casually and I can control it. Although when I get excited or if I'm uh, explaining something or I'm just really comfortable, I'm, I use profanity and you don't hear it on the podcast pretty much on purpose because I'm able to edit it out. <laughs> uh, and I do that again because the content that I'm providing, I want to make sure reaches as many people as it can. And I don't want to put those individuals off that don't care for the profanity. I, I don't want to put them off. However, if they're seeking out my services, again, I'm probably not for them in that context. So with that being said, again, I think at some point, you're going to have to ask yourself, is this trainer or coach right for you? And it seems like common sense, but I've been in scenarios before where people don't ask that question. Uh, I'll give you another example. I've got a friend. He's, uh, (laughs) I say overly confident, but other people call him arrogant. And that's fine because, you know, there's a small portion of me that thinks he's kind of arrogant too. That's fine. The kid's exceptionally smart. Right, and his skills far surpass mine. However, he's lost clients after about a month or two after his personality has had time to shine, I guess. <laughs> and I don't want to be condescending when I say that, but you know, his personality is something that takes some getting used to, and it's again, it's not for everybody, so some people will. Uh, I don't want to say fire, but they don't renew their contract with him after you know just a couple of months because they don't jive. His personality and their personality just doesn't jive. And I don't think, and I'm not going to speak for him because I don't know how he runs his business, but I don't know if he prefaces the initial intake by saying, hey, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. So understand this about me and make your decision after you've thought about it. I don't know if he does that. My guess is he probably doesn't. That's fine. It's his business. It's not mine. I do preface everybody by saying I use profanity. I am slightly unconventional. However, the tactics that I use or the process that I use is backed by science. So I wouldn't call myself an evidence-based coach. I'd love to, but some of my suggestions aren't always backed by science. It's more intuition and observation, which may or may not be a a downside to myself, but a majority of my approach is backed by science. I do believe that science gives us an upper hand as personal trainers and coaches. All right, so I have one last thing that I want to add into this before I close out this episode. Now, there are quite a few, and and I'm trying to say this with a straight face and not chuckle my head off, but there's a lot of fitness marketing gurus out there that will tell personal trainers and coaches to use uh, testimonials and things like that. And these are easily falsified. I'm just going to, I'm going to throw that out there right at the beginning. Testimonials are testimonials are easily falsified. Um, There have been a number of trainers and coaches in the past that have been caught stealing pictures before and after, after pictures from websites and other coaches and things like that, or just plain making them up. 
and using them as testimonials. So again, those fitness marketing gurus, I would take what they're saying with a grain of salt. If you're a layperson looking for a coach, you're not going to come in contact with two of the too many of the fitness marketing uh, people. But in my field, obviously, I, I do. Testimonials are really they're really weird because if they're true, if they're accurate, then they can be awesome at portraying your capabilities as a coach or personal trainer. Now, on the flip side of that you know, they, they could be fake. They could be false. So what I'll say about testimonials is you got to give the trainer or coach some slack. If you ask for testimonials and they don't, they don't have any, just hear them out, hear what they have to say. And I'll give you an example regarding this. I don't have a lot of recent testimonials. And the reason for that is the population that I work with are individuals with serious mental illness and they're protected under federal legislation essentially and I currently work full-time for a community mental health agency so I have to abide by those privacy laws so again after three years I don't have a ton of testimonials to show to people and I think that's legitimate to point out and you might find a similar scenario with other coaches that are out there because you're starting to see personal trainers and coaches and health mentors and you know fitness professionals in general pop up in those protected populations and if they're not doing a ton of outside work or after hours work with general general pop or general population then they're not going to have a ton of testimonials. It's just they're not there because they're not working with general population that fall, you know, that, that don't fall under the privacy laws. So keep that in mind. If testimonials are one of those things that you want to see, then just make it clear that, hey, testimonials are, I, I want to see some testimonials. And if you don't have any, I'm curious to know why. And hear them out, you know. A lot of times, you know, good personal trainers or coaches will either have testimonials or they'll have a good reason as to why they don't. So, again, that's my take on whether or not you need a fitness coach or not. Just to recap, the overarching theme, I suppose, is I, I don't believe everybody needs a fitness coach. I think those individuals that are looking for fitness coaches either have medical conditions that they aren't sure how to navigate around or those individuals that are looking to circumvent the learning curve that comes along with improving your health and, and overall fitness. So so I'm going to wrap it up here for right now. And I think this was a pretty good episode. I appreciate you sticking to the end. And uh, I hope to talk to you in a couple of days. Thanks, everybody.